Nightmare Hardcore Radio, exploring the world's best hardcore punk and all the various subgenres. For the next two hours we will enter a world apart from the rest. The time is now. Let's start jamming. What's up? You're listening to Dead Air, two hours of hardcore radio. This is episode 103. If you haven't listened to the show before, quick preview. We are a hardcore punk radio show that revolves around new music, new hardcore punk adjacent genres, whether that's metal, something slower. It all goes back to hardcore. We record here in the Pacific Northwest, Tacoma to be specific. This is going to be a very uh, Tacoma show. Um, but before I get ahead of myself, um, if you like what you hear, please uh, follow us on all the socials. Um, Dead Air NWCZ on both Instagram and Twitter. Go to Facebook, facebook.com slash Dead Air Hardcore Radio. Dead Air Hardcore Radio.com uh, ties us all together. Um, we stream on many platforms. Please follow us on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, um, Anchor hopefully some more in the future but uh if you like what you hear please support in any way you can you can also support all our live affiliates that we play 
across the world um, in a few different uh, states and countries um, in the U.S. and beyond. So check that out. Um, you can go to deadairhardcoreradio.com and get more information there. Thank you for everyone who does uh, support the show and has supported us lately over the summer. Um, just some really good emails, and I just appreciate all feedback. And I just appreciate anyone who listens because, you know, sometimes I get myself into a funk and I'm not sure if I'm providing, I'm not sure if I'm at my best, but I'm very excited for this uh, episode. So we started off, um, this is going to be, like I said, a Northwest hardcore episode. We started off with new music from Seattle and Olympia's own gag. Uh, We played still laughing um, the self-titled off of their upcoming LP on Iron Lung Records, uh, titled Still Laughing. It's going to be 12 songs. It's going to be dope. I'm really excited. I really like the uh, kind of killing time bright side-esque intro to that. It's uh, And then goes into a really ripping hardcore song. I'm very excited to hear um, New Gag. So be on the lookout for that. That's going to be out... Um, digitally um on the 28th of august and then they also have uh pre-orders for the record as well so check that out um today we have a guest who i have never got to speak to uh personally but i'm really excited i'm really excited to talk to um i've overheard conversations um years ago when uh my old host uh used to talk to this person we're going to be talking to Aram Arslanian, he was in many bands um, over the years. Betrayed, First Step, uh, Keep It Clear, as well um, as Champion, and so much more. Um, He's in a new band um, called Chains. They have a uh, record coming out on React Records titled Closer Still. Um, We're going to just dive in and just talk Northwest Hardcore and kind of just see where the conversation goes i have it i have it somewhat planned out but um i've enjoyed uh what aram says he also has his own uh he also has his own podcast called a step beyond we're going to talk about that a little bit as well as cadence leadership um the business that he is a part of and talk about just kind of his professional life and how that goes with uh the punk rock life and we're gonna just we're gonna see where it goes. I'm very I'm very excited. Um, I've heard him speak on uh, a lot of things. I'm sure we're, I'm not gonna get in everything I want, but I'm sure there's going to be some awesome content. So please uh, stick around. It's gonna be a good show. We're gonna um, play some music from Change from the Closer Still LP out on React Records on September 11th. We're gonna play. Uh, the first, I believe this is the first single that came out, um, titled Reason, and then we're going to get straight into the interview, uh, so we'll be right back in just about a minute. You're listening to Dead Air, two hours of hardcore radio.
for those who haven't been listening to Dead Air for since since the beginning, since before I uh, was a part of it, there was like I would say in the radio in in the radio terms in the radio world, there was a there was like a regular rotation. I grew up listening to this program years before I ever part of it, and this show has been my window into hardcore and showed me the side of hardcore that I'll always appreciate, and it's Northwest Hardcore. And in that main rotation were bands like Champion, Betrayed, First Step, Keep It Clear, all these like amazing yet empowering punk rock bands that really uh, struck a chord with me. There's a lot of bands that have like aggression and just pure anger that I love, but there was something about these certain Northwest hardcore bands that and that made me feel like this is this is what I want to this is this is where I want to be. I love I love hardcore. This is what I want to stay in hardcore and specifically uh Northwest hardcore. And you know, with scenes there are people who are who help um maintain a driving force in in certain scenes and in Northwest hardcore, I would say one of them is Aram Arslanian who I have on the line right now. Aram Thank you so much for uh, taking some time to talk to me. You've been in so many bands um, over the years. Your current band is Change. You've been in, like I said, Betrayed, um, The First Step, Champion, uh, Keep It Clear, um, among a a few others I think I'm not uh, saying off the top of my head. First of all, thank you. And how are you doing, man? Hey, thank you. That was uh, a really uh, was awesome to hear everything you just said. I I really appreciate it. Uh, I'm good. I'm good. I, I'm like everyone right now. I think where we're all just trying to get by. A little nervous about the future, uh, both you know from a health perspective, but also you know like politically, this is a crucial time for the world, and so I'm really nervous about what's going to happen uh, in the upcoming election and. Um, also, you know, we're in a time of really great social change and well, hoping we're in a time of social change that real change is going to come. So I'm a bit nervous and anxious uh, if the changes that are required are going to happen and keep happening. So I'm, I'm good. You know, I, I'm good, but I got stuff on my mind like everyone. And you still live, you are still in the, in our neighbors to the north here, correct? Yeah, that's right. I'm so, Vancouver, Canada. So, what's the what's the vibe like there? How how is Vancouver watching? Uh, or what's the what's the climate up there of people like kind of observing what's going on down uh, here in the states? Well, first of all, like <laughs> BC is is totally wild. So we have been very fortunate uh, that we've had, I think, just over 4,000 cases across the entire province. So the city that I live in Vancouver, we've only had like, I think 1,500 cases. So that's across an entire province. Now, like it's a huge province and I don't think we have like a, a even close to as big a population as Washington, but we're, so we're very, 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 very lucky and I'm super fortunate uh, to be here. Um, 
but it's wild, man. Cause like, you know, people are having like drum circles on the beach and like beaches are like jam packed with people. And, you know, I, I can't help, I, I do a lot of running and cycling and, you know, I can't help but think every time I'm out, like, Oh gosh, like I hope we're not going to go over the cliff here. Um, but it's, from a health perspective, it's been, uh, it's been okay here. Uh, and again, you know, like all of the emergency responders and healthcare professionals, like we're just so thankful, uh, for all of your effort and sacrifice. Um, you know, watching what's happening in the States from a health perspective, is just like, man, I, I feel so, uh, sad to see what's happening. Uh, I'm really nervous for everyone in the States. Uh, obviously there's a lot of people that I love and care about there. My company does a ton of work in the States. So like, I'm really pay a lot of attention to it. And the thing I just keep thinking is like, you know, this is a time where like, stop arguing, like do the things like wear your masks, like social distance. Why not? Like, why wouldn't you do that? So yeah, it's it's kind of wild to watch the resistance to just basic health protocol, and uh, you know I'm really I'm really nervous. And and one thing here that I, I want to hit is like, you know, being Canadian, sometimes you get this like a little bit like you look at the U.S. and you can be a bit judgmental. And uh, I, I just want to say like in Canada, it's just like, yeah, I, I'd love to move past that idea because like if one thing that Canadian politics has shown us is like, we're certainly not, you know, any kind of angels up here either. And if, if anything, there's just such a huge population in the States that I just feel like complete compassion for the huge struggle that people must be facing right now, like getting things on track and trying to stay safe, especially for teachers who are being like forced to go back to work. I just, my heart goes out to them. It's yeah. It's a very, confusing time i it's it's weird when you're like just like when you're in it i have a kid that will um supposed to go to school will not be returning um we're gonna do the whole homeschool thing and i'm just like i'm i'm nervous but it's we it's just (laughs) it's just weird like that because there isn't a lot of time to to really think and reflect um when it comes to just keeping your family safe you and and it and it's weird how people are like you said are really resisting cuz i'm like ah, man there i regardless of of what you think it is i think i think this is the best thing we can we can do at the moment is just wear your masks try to com- do your best to comply and it's uh i'm just like i don't have time to th- i don't have time to think about the other the that stuff because i want to do what's best for my family keep my fa- and keep my family safe and keep the people around me safe yeah yeah totally totally and it's so wild too because like it, it's it's i just don't understand so i i don't know if you know this or or if people listening would know this. So like my background is uh, as a therapist, um, my first like job, uh, career job was a therapist for a decade. And so like, I, I, I've spent a lot of time working with and studying psychology, uh, the psychology of others as individuals and as groups. And I just can't understand this, um, kind of denial of the seriousness of this. And like this, like, you know, conspiracy that like, 
an entire world would ground down, grind down to a halt over something like this and that that thing would be fake. It's just like wild, really, really, really wild thinking. And, you know, it, it has so much, it makes me think so much about the willfulness of other people to play on the fears and the anxieties and use misinformation to make people so scared and so angry that they they're pitted against each other. And all these videos you see of people not wearing masks and like, you know, getting super aggressive, like that, that's really scary to see because wearing a mask is such a minimal, 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 minimal thing. And I just, it's just stunning to me to see people reject it so heavily because you know, like we're not just talking about your health. We're talking about the health of like everyone you come into contact with. It just seems like such a minimal, minimal thing to do. And not only does that like really freak me out about the intentions of people who play on the fear and anxiety, it also really freaks me out about where we're going from this very um, self-obsessed focus within society where it's like, well, no, like my comfort and my liberty is the most important thing. And what I want to do is the most important thing. And it's a really interesting idea to think like you would rather gamble the health, even if it's wrong, like even just say like masks are wrong, but you would rather gamble the health of yourself, but all of these other people around you than just have the inconvenience or discomfort of wearing a mask. It's, it's really mind blowing. And one of the things I try to do is move away from like a, angrier, angrier, like hateful view of people like that, people in that space and more like just trying to understand it. It's, it's just really mind blowing. And I, I think that's where I try to come at it too. Cause I know m- plenty of people um, like that, that I work with just here around Tacoma and just w- with the studio that are not happy about the masks, but I just want to listen because also just coming at, coming at it with just, aggression and just um being like you're you know you're killing my you know my family or whatever by doing by that kind of that kind of response doesn't really it there's there's very little to gain from that on either on either end um so yeah well there we could we could dive into this so so much and i'm i know you have so much uh <laughs> like insight and I, I, I value um, your, your opinion and a thing that we taught that um, I wanted to get at uh, before, before we get too far into it. Yeah. You've been into in so many bands also um, you, you do, you do, uh, you do cadence leadership. Um, you, you, mm-hmm. You have a podcast through that titled uh, One Step Beyond. We'll get into that a little bit, but uh, I think it's something uh, that I've always appreciated was uh, when I was in my early to mid-20s is just um, hearing people like you speak. I was uh, I was the intern for K10, and I, uh, I got to hear you talk to him like six plus years ago and just like, it felt really um, empowering um, to hear just like real adult um, punk rock because I'm like, I'm like super, because I feel like some people and like, I feel like it's very few and far between because there is some people come at that crossroads. Like I think there's a lot of people in uh, 
in punk rock that are professionals, but like it's it is hard to have um punk and hardcore be a part of your like daily life and be a business professional. So some people come to those crossroads where they're like, I gotta I gotta I gotta go all in on my professional life and sit and kinda have this take a backseat and almost like basically um take a departure so uh but for but for you you have been doing like you have been doing both almost hand in hand i mean i know you've taken a break over like uh you know the past like three and a half four years um between the last like time you've like kind of taken stage and then you've um and you've been working on this new project um change um i guess my question is how um how important is it to you to have um uh, hardcore um uh, how what are the i'm trying i'm trying to i was thinking of this question i didn't write it down i'm thinking of this question on the way he on the way um to the studio but uh how important is it for you to have hardcore still in your life and how does it pot and how how do you think it possibly impacts um your professional career today uh it's incredibly important for me to have hardcore in my life um so i want to you know one time i was having uh dinner with uh, a guy named matt laforge who plays in a band called Millspec. And we were talking about, cause he's a, he is a quite a serious professional as well in terms of like really building up his career. And we were talking about these breaks that you kind of have to take of playing in bands or touring uh, because, you know, it's, as, as you get a bit older, it's hard to really like devote so much time to like practicing, putting out records, touring, doing all that stuff. And something he said always st- uh, sticks with me. He said, you know, whenever I've taken a break from really playing in bands or being super involved in the scene, it's when it becomes apparent how different I am from other people, you know, just people that you meet in the world. And he's like, you know, it's that there's something about me and the way that I view the world that is so hardwired to be um, like noticing the cracks and things and wanting to explore those things and be in that space and that's not necessarily how other people are. And, you know, it, it's really in like the punk scene and like the hardcore scene where I find like-minded people and that sense of like, you know, kind of questioning things, looking deeper, like being part of something that should be like having a deeper meaning is like, you know, the further I get away from that well, the, re- the more I realize that like, hey, I, I, I'm thirsty for that water and I need it. And, you know, it really stood out for me that like, you know, as you get older, or as I've gotten older, you know, there's this sense of like, oh, you know, like punk has played such a huge part of my life, but like, you know, like, am I involved in it now just because it's a hobby or does it still play the same role? And and I definitely say like, it's not a hobby for me. It, it's definitely uh, like a, a very foundational community that I need to feel some kind of connection to. And, you know, whether that connection is playing in the band or just going to shows or even just being around like-minded people, like I definitely have realized I need to have that in my life. But the thing that's changed for me is I've had to change how I do it. Um, 
especially especially over the past few years. Um, I've had to change it a lot. And I'd say that I was caught in some very, very unhealthy habits probably four or five years ago uh, that I had to really change. Um, but around my professional career, like, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's fun for my professional career. Cause like, you know, for people who are wondering what cadence is about, it's uh, executive coaching uh, executive and team coaching. And then also uh, training. So we coach and help leaders and teams grow within organizations, like within both the corporate and the not-for-profit world. And it's all about basically people just becoming good leaders. And I don't know if you've ever had a terrible boss, but like having a terrible boss is like soul crushing. It's really, really hard. So it's, we're all about um, reducing suffering and increasing empowerment. So if you've ever had a bad boss, you know, you're suffering and the people around you are suffering. If you've ever been a bad boss, you know, that sucks. Cause you don't want, you don't want to be an asshole. You don't want to act that way, but you don't know what to do. So part of the way that we reduce suffering is helping leaders get better. And that starts with the way that people view the world, how they view themselves, like the way that they interact with the other people. And we help teams uh, get better, work together better, um, have a greater sense of uh, inclusion, um, you know, like give space for more of like diversity of thought and, and uh, diversity of team members. Uh, so that's been really cool. And from the training side, it's just basically like some foundational leadership skills, foundational communication skills, like how to have a tough conversation, how to write a good email, how to give a good presentation. So the company I started about four years ago and I started it, I'd worked for another company. So after I was a therapist, I'd worked for this other company that was like, I can't even put it into words, man. Like the stuff I saw there would just like, it, in retrospect, it blows my mind. Like totally, like, you would see this stuff on like a mo- in a movie or something. And like, I remember my boss. He's a he's like a young guy. His mom had sta- had founded the company, and my boss had never had a job anywhere except for this company. Like he'd never even like worked at like you know like a fast food joint in his life. And this dude is leading this like bit, like pretty big company. And he, his ideas of how to lead people were so toxic and so wild. And he would say the most ridiculous stuff to people. And sometimes it was funny just being like, oh, my God, like, oh, my God, dude, you're like the most clownish person I've ever actually ever met in my life. You might be the most clownish. But at the same time, he held all of this pretty immense power, like people's livelihoods, like the culture of a company. So I was in that company for five and a half years and I did what a punk does. You come into a system, you see, you notice the cracks in the system and then you try and change it, right? You try and change it. And it was, inter- you try and change it in a better way. And it was interesting because like, it was cool. I applied everything I learned in punk and hardcore to changing this thing. And it was getting better and it was getting better. But at one point I was probably my fourth year in working there. I was like, why am I doing this? Like, this dude sucks. Like this company sucks. And also all we're doing is making this clown rich, like utter clown. And the work that we do isn't even that good. Like it's not changing anything. Why am I work? Why am I putting all this effort into changing this company when I could just do my own thing? And so about a year and a half later, I started my own company and I just started it with myself, cell phone, notebook, called a bunch of people. It was like a real Jerry Maguire moment. Like I just called a bunch of people. I was like, yeah, I started my own company. And very luckily, like 
probably about 90% of my clients came with me. And uh, within half a year, I had hired a bunch of people. And then you know, now four years later, I've got a team of 11 people that are all across North America. And the way that punk plays into that is like, I just treated it like starting a punk band. And most of the people I hired from uh, for the company are from the punk scene. Not everyone. We've, we've got a, a quite a, a cool roster, but most of the people in the company are from the punk scene. There's probably about four or five people are straight edge. Most of us are vegetarian or vegan. Um, and our clients, like, you know, I don't wear suits anymore. Like I just show up to my client work with like a t-shirt and jeans and people love hearing about like playing in a punk band. It's like front and center of everything we talk about. Cause like they don't want some, like a lot of businesses, if they're serious about change and not just these like ridiculous posts that people put up on LinkedIn or like in unprecedented times, you know, blah, blah, blah. But if companies are actually serious about change, they want a company like us to help them because I'm not going to like just tell them some garbage thing about like, just to make them happy. I'm going to tell them what they really need to hear to change. So the company has been growing a lot and it's been really cool. And I would definitely not been able to do that without punk and hardcore at all. Yeah. Uh, while I, one thing I always love about, like I've been listening to your podcast, hearing you, hearing you talk is just like, every time I hear you talk, I think of, of things of how, of how punk rock has changed me and how it's like, Oh man, that makes, that makes so much sense. I, um, so I grew up with, uh, having a family that owned, um, a business and I don't talk to them. I don't talk to my, um, grandfather anymore. Um, he would, he kind of like, he was kind of like the boss you, uh, described. And I don't like to talk, um, too much smack, but he was, he, he was sort of a Michael Scott. He's never, right. he's never going to be, he was like a real life Michael Scott, um, <laughs> not really doing, not really doing much for his company, except trying to be the cool guy. And, um, unfortunately that's where I, I learned my early like skill leadership skills and punk rock I feel like changed th that for me because you said in a uh, interview with Finn, like a talk with Finn McKenty, um, punk rock NBA talked about um, how just how, how um, punk and hardcore just puts you in, puts you in these places. If you put, if you make yourself available, you want to, you want to do a zine, do a zine. You want to, you want, I, uh, I, uh, I remember I I I I just happened to have a camera and um my friend was like do you want to head the film for this entire to um uh, for this entire uh hardcore festival and I'm like sure <laughs> and um then I and then through that I've I've been keeping it DIY like for a very long time I I I currently run this studio um, that I, that we're, uh, participating in this, uh, conversation right now. And so through just that, through that, through college radio, through, um, just those little DIY opportunities, that's taught me, um, more leadership than some people that have been in those, uh, positions ever have. So yeah. it's, it, um, and I'm, and I still have miles to go. But like I think uh, this show, 
Um, and I always said when Kevin and Ian um, gave up, uh, the original hosts uh, gave this uh, up and went to their professional um, radio careers, I was like, if you don't like any, <laughs> I'm like, I was, I was straightforward. If you don't like what I'm doing, I can change the name. I don't. I. I'm. I promise you. I'm. I'm gonna keep doing this. But they're like, no. I was like, you're doing your own thing. But I. We appreciate that you've. That you have taken this name on because I would have never. They were like, I never in a million years thought that Dead Air would be alive in 2020 and like just the opportunities just through a small a small radio show is like there there is a huge power in uh in punk rock whether you whether people in it or outside of it um choose to be aware of it or not um, yeah would you mind if i, I spoke on that for a second? yeah go for it yeah like i i it's really important i believe like one of the biggest gifts you can get from punk is is don't ask permission so like I, I, to do things um so for example like you want to be in a band who, like just do it you want to be a photographer just do it if you want to do a radio show just do it do a podcast whatever it is and like this this for me is something that's like not just crucial about the punk scene but it's also crucial about your career so so crucial about the way you educate yourself whether you go down a formal channel of education, or if you you go to uh, informal channels or non-traditional channels, but it's also how we do our communities, not just punk. Like, I mean, like our communities in general, like don't ask for permission. This whole idea that I find like punk is like a really super, super cool thing, but just like anything, it's got this kind of like look and feel to it. Right. And so it's like look and feel can come to us from like videos and photos and record layouts but just like anything, like, you know, you got to take a look at it and just be like, Hey, if I'm not represented here, then I need to change the script and you don't need to wait for it. You don't, you know, don't worry about gatekeepers and gatekeepers, by the way, it's like, I got a real issue with that. And I think, I I hope everyone does because it's like, dude, whoever is setting the tone for what's cool, if they're just doing it from a, like, Hey, this is what I think is cool. This is some neat, neat aesthetic that I think is awesome. that's great. I love people who celebrate like aesthetic and kind of like old cool stuff. Like that's great. But if it's like, and this is what punk and hardcore is nah, screw that. I I don't believe that for a second. Like you build it yourself, you make it yourself. Like, you know, who am I? I am in no position to tell someone what punk and hardcore is. I think you need to figure that out for yourself and you decide, don't ask for permission, go create something. I think the coolest things that have happened in punk are when people just were like, Nope, this doesn't represent me. This doesn't represent I don't see people like me here, like people that I identify as being like myself. I don't feel comfortable in this space. Or I'm going to do this thing. And they just recreate it. That's cool as hell, man. And I think that's like one of the most important things that you can learn from punk is don't, don't wait for permission. Don't look to the gatekeepers. Do your thing. Do it yourself. Do it with conviction. Now, let me add a part two to that. What you start with might not be good. And that doesn't mean quit. You know, like, so one of the things I really learned from Finn, uh, Finn McKinty, who does the punk rock NBA and is like really inspirational for me. One of the things I learned from Finn is just like, hey, just have patience, man. It takes a while to build stuff up. And I had always viewed my bands that way. Like, oh, yeah, it takes some time. You go, you go city to city, show to show, put out a download, put out a seven inch. 
<clears throat> but I wasn't applying that same thinking to the way I built up my business. You know, I wanted things to happen fast. And he really like coached me a lot about like taking your time. And so I want to like bring that back to like, if we're talking about creating change in the punk scene or not even, not even creating change, but just doing something different, what you start with might not be good and it might actually totally suck. And I really encourage people here, just keep going. Like if you do a podcast and it's not getting a lot of listeners, it just might not be good. And that's okay. Like, I mean, I wasn't good at, I mean, I'm still really like literally a terrible musician, but like, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's okay to do something for it to not be good. The trick is our egos get caught up. It's like, Oh, people don't like what I do. I better abandon that. No, 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 no. Like I encourage you to keep growing, keep focusing, like hone your craft, get good at it. But if it's not good, try and be honest with yourself that it's not good. If people don't like it, it doesn't mean that they're, they're just being jerks. Maybe it's just not good. And if it's not good, that's okay. There's no shame in it. Just work on it, work on it, develop your craft, hone it, get better and get better and better. And then that's where I think that real magic happens. It's about growing and getting better at something and like really like holding a mirror up to whatever you're doing and then doing it. Um, there are bands that deserve bands and zines and like photographers and video stuff, everything within the scene. There are tons of people that should have gotten way more recognition than they got. And there are tons of people who got way more recognition than they, than they should have gotten. But I'll tell you this, the slow and steady people who focused and honed their craft, I believe more often than not, their stuff has been recognized over time. And I deeply encourage people like work on your stuff, get better and better and better. Take your space, refuse to give it up. This is your space. You owe, it's owed to you. Take it, make it work. And then take that into the into the rest of the world and apply that to your career. Dang it, Aram! You it, uh, always when you talk, I feel like I like I know you're not intentionally, but I feel like I was like I feel like you you could could have just put Trevor and then and and then and then sentence because I felt like I felt like you were talking to me right at that right at that moment because that's literally I don't like to you know, dwell too much on, um, the podcast, but that's how literally I feel. And I love, I, you know, I love having like, you know, just like reaffirmation. I don't, I don't like to just like tell myself the same thing over, like being like, it's fine. It's fine. But it's also nice to hear like, it's okay. If it's, if it's not that good right now, you can be better. Yeah. And, and, and to be clear, like, you know, there only gets to be at any given time, like, you know, one, like not any given time, but there's very few bands that are like oh, iconic or very few podcasts or very few, like, wow, they get to that level. And I'm not saying don't strive for that level. Like, yeah, yeah, of course, strive for that level if that's what you want to do. But if you just want to create something, first of all, let me just say this quick sidebar. Hardcore and punk is amazing because like, there's equal footing. You can just choose to show up and just enjoy shows and be a part of the scene and the culture, or you could choose to, to contribute things. Actually, let me break that down. I think people who just show up are contributing. So I, I think just by being an active participant in the scene, that's a, a contribution for sure. But there's people who want to create a zine or do the, like, you know, do a podcast or do a band or shoot photos or do art or whatever it is. 
it's such a cool, like, you can just do that if you want. And that's like, and, and there's not like, oh, I'm just going to do this now. That's cool. I love that. And people can flow in and out. They can just be, you know, they can just be going to shows, hanging out. They can do a record label. They can stop doing it. That's really, that's really, really cool. So that's one side of it. But the other side is like, hey, very few people are going to be those like iconic things or even along that spectrum of it. Just create. It's cool. Like, you know, creating something is this like really important psychological outlet. And it, it really creativity allows us to express our humanity and our humanity should never be about kind of like copying someone else's thing and just trying to make it slightly better. Like listen to something. And if you're into it, you can incorporate that, but you should just go out and make your own mess and make it as messy as you want. And then over time, it's going to kind of like organize into its own distinct, beautiful thing. And I got to encourage, like, I, I, I mean, this is what I try and apply to myself. And I've, there's been times where I've been really good at it. And there's been times where I've just been the most like derivative dude out there where I'm just like desperately trying to sound like another band or desperately trying to do this other thing. Those are the ones that suck. They cause me the most anxiety that make me like wish like, oh, it makes me like try and be perfect because I'm trying to be like something else. The other times where I'm just like, hey, here's a whole bunch of influences I have. I'm going to mush these things all together and see what happens even though some of those things might not have been as successful as other things I've done, those are the ones I enjoy a lot more because it's just like kind of relaxing into who I am and just figuring it out along the way. Like I, I honestly, I hate, I hate listening back to my shows and be like, but I, but, uh, but it's, it is, it is helpful. Like I've been like, cause I, there was a time where I would refuse to listen back to what I, what I had. And, um, I don't know, listening back, honestly, I took that dive into it. And I think, uh, it, that's what's helped me like the most a hundred percent is just, uh, admitting <laughs> where I'm at. <laughs> well, I, I like for, like for real self-analysis and analysis of what you're doing while totally painful is, I believe like one of the most critical things in improving in anything. So like, you know, the amount of times I've listened to my old records, like I can't listen to them at first when I've put them out, but like I go back and listen to them whenever I start writing something new and whether or not it's for like a band or a podcast or whatever, over time I go back and listen to what I do. And I listen to it with the, the ear of trying to get better at it. And it sucks. I hate doing it. It's awful. Um, cause I'm my, like my own worst critic, but like, Hey, like I, I want to, I want to keep getting better at what I do. And so, yeah, like you got to go back and listen to that. And I can tell you, like I've done stuff, uh, like musically and then like podcasts or just creatively where I'm like, Oh, I'm just like embarrassed of that. That's just terrible. Like that's just not even good at all. And, um, and really like have learned good, 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 good lessons from it without doing that, you're just kind of, you're just kind of stumbling around the dark, just doing the, doing the same thing getting the same results. So yeah, it's good. It's good that you do that. And also like, when I say I'm embarrassed, like, I'm like, Oh my God, I can't believe I wrote that lyric or I can't believe I sounded like that. Or, Oh God, like I'm totally desperately trying to sound like this band here, how embarrassing, but also I kind of laugh at it. Cause it's like, 
yeah, who cares? Like I'm viewing it for the, I'm viewing it through this total, like really intense lens. Very few other people are going to do it. Like look at it that way. And even if they think it totally sucks, that's okay. That's the, the beauty of creating something and putting it into the world. You no longer own it. As soon as you put it out there, it becomes everyone else's to like, to, to, you know, kind of tear apart or love or boost up. And it's all cool. You know, it, it, I, I just look at my stuff as soon as I put it out there, it's not mine anymore. People are going to make whatever they want out of it. And I just focus on making my next thing an even better version of what I want to get. Um, and one thing I just, I found relatable, uh, the one time we've ever like talked like ever was right after you got off stage for, uh, playing with change and, uh, at in Tacoma and you just had this like, sm- I, cause I can completely relate to it. Like I thought, you did, um, you know, just like great. Like I, lo- I love the, I loved the first time seeing change. Um, and you're just like, I feel really goofy. <laughs> it was like, it feels really <laughs> like you were like, it seemed like you were really thinking about how you feel you did compared to, I don't know how everybody else like responded, which I thought was very, very good for a first show as in, I think it's also expected because if I expected for some of the people in the room who who have uh, witnessed your bands before or witnessed the, the people that have been in the other, you know, bands, uh, I mean, goddamn, you know, Chris Williams on, you know, in that band of, I, as well, like, I was like, I, I, that's what, that's a band, I guess, uh, I guess that's a, I guess that puts pressure on it a little bit. Cause like, I I expect it to be a uh, a good band, but like it was funny seeing you like like be like oh I was like I don't know if I I was like I felt really weird you were you seemed like you know just un unsure of yourself and like I I see I don't see as much that much you know honesty because um, a lot of the times like for my friends when I see them do bands they like if they did bad they literally don't want they like they pretend it didn't happen (laughs) or like they don't they like usually i see see my friends when they when they perform they just they remove themselves good or bad well sometimes when it's like really good they're like oh man that was awesome but if it was like not to what they expected they're not they're not thinking about that they're trying to put that out of their head it was just it was interesting to be like Oh yeah, <laughs> you you had a you had a smile on your face while you're doing it. Like, yeah, I felt, that felt kind of goofy. <laughs> um, yeah, it was like because you know I've got to juxtapose. Like I hadn't played for a long time. Like I hadn't been on stage in many many years, and I thought about it a lot. Uh, I thought about doing it again, but I hadn't done it years. But in the meantime, like my professional career had like really expanded quite a bit and has has grown significantly. So I'm really fortunate. However, I'm used to being up in front of like, you know, like large groups of people talking about, um, you know, like psychology or, you know, kind of group psychology or how to build better businesses or how to have tough conversations in a business, like how to like really like change the culture of your company. And so I'm, I'm used to being up in these spaces as like a speaker that people have come to see and having these like long where I'm talking for like an hour or sometimes I'm talking for a whole afternoon or even a whole day, like through different workshops to go up and play for like 19 minutes 
And like, first of all, I was like, oh my gosh, like singing is super hard. Like it's way harder than I remember. I could feel like I'm like literally older, like in years, like I'm like, oh man, my body's not, not what it once was in terms of being able to like, just do this. I was a little out of shape at the time. So I wasn't feeling that great, but also, man, I was like, I don't know. I was like really scared. I, you know, like, um, all the stuff that unfolded with champion and how that went, like it really, it was a really important, really important conversation and really important actions that took place. Um, and I'd say that I've had to do a lot of like heavy, heavy, heavy soul searching and, and like really thinking a lot about punk and hardcore, but beyond that, like, you know, just thinking about like the kind of people that you have in your life and the way you look at yourself and the way you look at other people and kind of like how punk and hardcore works from like a, you know, um, power perspective. And, and, you know, I've spent a lot of like, spent a lot of time thinking about it, doing a lot of work. Uh, you know, I, I went, I've, I've done and continue to do like a lot of like uh, therapeutic process around that whole thing. Uh, Cause one of the most important things for me from that was, you know, something's got to change from that. And I can't control how a, a whole social system works around punk and hardcore. But what I can change is the way that I interact with ideas and people. And, and I did a lot of work on that. So I wasn't even in a space to think about getting ready to get it back up on stage or even know if I wanted to do that uh, after that situation. Um, and if I was going to do it, I had to do it from a perspective where I felt like I really had my thinking and my actions in line. You know, it's not enough to, it's not enough to assume being a decent person or a good person or, you know, having any good qualities just because you're straight edge or just because you're vegan or just because you play in a punk band. It's really about understanding what those values are and how you apply them to yourself and the people around you. So, I, I really weighed whether or not I wanted to do change and I really weighed whether or not I wanted to play that show. And I talked to Chris a lot about it, Chris Williams. We talked a lot about it. So when I went up on stage, there was like a big weight that I was feeling leading up to that day. And I remember being backstage and, you know, like being around some people that I knew and some people that I kind of knew and then some people who were total strangers and having this real sense of like, fuck, I wonder, oh, sorry, swearing okay on here? Yes, you're good. I remember thinking like, God damn, like, I don't know if like, I don't know what these other people are thinking in their minds. Like, what's, what are they thinking about? Like, hey, our, our set was great or our set's going to be great or I want a sandwich or whatever they're thinking. I'm like, dude, I got like a bazillion things in my mind that are like really intense right now. And I remember feeling this real sense of like, almost like viewing myself through the eyes of someone else. Like, you know, what's that cat thinking? Like what's going on for him? And I, I was just like struggling with not struggling. I was weighing a lot of stuff at the time. And I, I felt like I'd kind of done a lot of the work that I needed to do to, to do that show at least in the right way. And uh, in the right spirit, when I got up, I just felt like I kind of, I brought that thinking with me up on stage and, and how I played and what I talked about um, but I also kind of wanted to just say like, Hey, you know, I, I want to put some of this weight down that I've been carrying for a long time and 
and try and take what I've learned into a new space. And that's not abandoning anything that's, that's happened. And, you know, cause that, you know, I think it's an important discussion to keep going, not think, no, it is period. Um, and I want, I, I really want, I really want to take what I learned from that and, and apply it into what I'm doing now. And I hope I'm doing that. So that's afterwards. Like when I was saying like, Oh, I felt a little goofy. I was also like internally, like I felt a little goofy and I hope I did what I set out to do. That was, that's where I was at with it. Sorry. That was a super long answer. No, no, I actually, I super appreciate, um, you just having that explanation and, 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 and just talking about, you know, um, you know, those hard situations because, uh, I, I know just like in, you know, and you already know that like, this is have you know, those situations, um, affected Northwest hardcore and Northwest hardcore. Nobody, I feel like it's, it's interesting cause nobody like, Still to this day, nobody understands how much it has, like, you know, affected the landscape of Northwest hardcore and why we're currently, you know, at the stage we're at. Because the outside looking in just thinks, oh, we're, you know, just like people just stopped, you know, people stopped doing shows, Rainfest ended, and that's why. But, like, like I said, you've been working on things. Uh, I think we've all been working on things. And I appreciate you addressing um, it because I, I've, I have, I've had a hard time. Uh, I don't even remember what I said when, when those, you know, when that situation appeared, I, I can't, I can't even, I can't even like remember, but yeah, it's a thing you're still working through. I, uh, I appreciate you acknowledging, um, that it is still um very important it's still a thing that we have to to um to work work on and people are working through it um and i don't know that's that's all i have to that's all i have to say about that just like nah i just appreciate i appreciate you and uh yeah (laughs) um you know uh, i all i all i can because there's a lot like there's a lot that I could say about this. And the more I talk, the more I like, I, I, I really want to say that how I discuss this, I want it to be like respectful, thoughtful. I want to also be like, Hey, I'm not trying to like position me or anyone else as being like, Oh, we're the good guys. Like I, it, that's, it's gotta be, I, I got it. Whenever I talk about this, I want to talk about it in a way that's saying like, Hey, this is something I think about literally every day and I think about it every single day. And I think about it. um, I think about the impact. I think about what happened. I think about all of, all of the things, like not what happened just um, after, uh, after, after it all came to light. But I think about literally like what had been, what had happened and what had all of those things. And um, it's a lot to digest. And I really think about people who, who have had to suffer and then continue, you know, continue to suffer um, as a result of, of what had happened. And um, all I can say is um, 
you know, I, I really, sorry, that's my dogs. That's um, okay. <laughs> um, all I can say is that, Go ahead. Uh, all I can say is that the work that, that the work that I've done around this isn't just about like getting through this. It's more about like, really trying to understand what happened and really trying to apply it, at least in my approach to myself, to my friends, to the scene that I'm a part of, um, to try and keep conversations going with, with other guys about it. And, and, you know, I feel that there's been some really good, positive conversations and good positive changes. And I I have to believe, I have to believe that there will continue to be real change that comes, uh, that comes from this. Absolutely. First, I guess, once again, I acknowledge it just, uh, thank you for just taking the time to, uh, just to talk about, to talk about these things that are, that are very difficult to talk about and sharing things that are, um, so personal, especially uh, to you. So thank you so thank you so much. Uh, I just wanted to take take the time to acknowledge that. Um, so with the show, like I think the one thing that noticed that there was a younger crowd was was uh, like I got hi- I got hyped on um, the Brotherhood cover uh, that happened throughout the set, and I was like, and then I kind of look around and I'm like, I'm like. I don't see anybody else singing along with me. And then, and then I'm like, okay, the, the, this is this. I was like, I was like looking at the faces. I was like, okay, I see what's going on here. And I thought like, it's, it's weird at first being like, oh man, this is such an important, like, like Northwest hardcore band and song. And then I'm like, oh, not only are some of these kids not from Washington, but they are pretty dang young. And I'm like, that's, that's also a thing. That's a, like, like that's exciting. Um, (laughs) like I think, I think, you know, Zach, everyone and everyone that was involved with that, uh, just another gig show. It was just like, they did. It just proves that there is hardcore is definitely, still like alive and kicking and it it was it was a very it was very exciting moment even you know there are those shows where it's like a little stagnant and stuff but i think in i was watching um jurassic park um yesterday uh the the part where jeff goldblum goes life uh finds a way and uh, (laughs) and i was like i was like true and i'm like it's just exciting to see thing like i i don't think northwest hardcore will ever uh die in any in any respect and just seeing uh new bands and uh and and change people just uh like people that i respect so much from uh hardcore continue um to do what they love or and especially do it with such conviction uh, with like the same um, type of attitude that 
I admired growing up, having that mix with a uh, with br- with brand new people is excite is very exciting. It's like things things are there's there's some things that uh, that I feel never change, but there are things that do and move forward. And I sometimes they those things uh, intertwine and move forward together and i'm uh, i'm very excited okay man hardcore finds a way hardcore sure. hardcore uh finds a way Dude, it was so sick when we did that brotherhood cover though because like legit you know like some people are singing along but like people you know people are like bobbing their heads but one of those things it's like that i hope is that people are like oh what was that song they played at the end and then they realized, like, oh, that was a Brotherhood cover. Because it's like, you know, so many bands that you find out about, you find out because someone did a cover of it or whatever it is, right? And, like, it to me, it's not, like, um, it's not a big deal if people don't know the song. It's more like, hey, what are you going to do once you heard the song? Like, you know, find out about Brotherhood. And, like, I wasn't super close with Ron. Like, Ron knew, Ron and I, uh, Ron the singer of Brotherhood, Ron and I knew each other through um because I, I never saw brotherhood i grew up in calgary alberta so like by the time i moved out to vancouver brotherhood was, was long long over um i met ron like, whew, years and years ago but he he wasn't actively involved in the hardcore scene so i actually i think i met him at like a los crudos show at the goat house when my first band was on tour in like i don't know like 1994 or something ridiculous like that and uh um it was super cool. Like I was like, holy crap, it's the singer brotherhood. That's insane. And that's when I was like young enough still or inexperienced enough still, where it's like all these people kind of were like rock stars to me. Cause I, growing up in Calgary, not like a lot of bands came through, like big bands came through, you know, or like super small bands came through, but it wasn't like a band, like, like I don't know, bands that I grew up really loving. That kind of stuff didn't really come through very often. And so I still kind of had this like, put people up on a pedestal uh, perspective of it. And I met Ron. He was just cool as hell, man. Really, really, really cool. And over the years we developed like a relationship, you know, like now we're like, I wouldn't go so far as to say we're good friends. I'd say we're like good acquaintances, maybe, you know, like kind of texting buddies, like talk about records here and there. Um, But like Ron is just a character, man. Like the stories about Ron are like, legendary and you got to talk to dave larson about ron's stories like they're just legendary hilarious stories about like what a wild man this dude was and like brotherhood was so cool and brotherhood is so cool like for many 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 reasons but just the personalities that were in the band and i think that that has so much to do with hardcore too is like the personalities that were in the band or in the bands and like ron was just one of them man and when he passed like i know everyone was like Oh, like what a huge loss because of Ron from Brotherhood and such an important part of the scene. All of that, 100%. But also like Ron, the character, like the dude was just such a character and it was just like unbelievable talking to him because there was was never never a boring conversation with Ron. I'll put it that way. And I just love that guy. So it was cool doing a Brotherhood song and it's like we've covered a number of times and I hope people check out Brotherhood because... Like, seriously, like, hard, hardcore, like, the hardest, the hardest band of that genre from the Northwest ever. 
for sure, like the hardest. The lyrics are so hard, so unrelenting, so direct, um, coolest aesthetic. Like everything about Brotherhood is so, so, so sick. So uh, I hope people check it out because we did that cover. Yeah, like if you... So we don't do as much like throwbacks on Dead Air as, as we, as we uh, used to do, but I think I need to do a, an old Northwest Hardcore episode so- soon because... Uh, if you have not listened to Brotherhood and you love Northwest Hardcore, if you love um, any of Aram's bands, if you listen to you need to you need to listen to to Brotherhood and it's it's like it's what I appreciate from from hardcore is it's hard and there's just so much like it's it's fast and it, like I love things that are um, that have a lot of brevity and like have like it's it's such a small and it's also a very kind of small catalog of music i feel like the most just like um like inside out project x things like that i i like had some things that had a very short um lifespan have had a a bigger impact on me than some than some of the even longest uh, you know running hardcore bands like sick of it all or something like i i for some reason i love i love i love brevity i love things that come in a short I, there's i wish sometimes bands stay longer but so, for some reason i love i love some of the you know sh- the short-lived bands so much oh it, 100 like 100 and brother it's such a great uh great version of that i i encourage you to do an episode not about brotherhood, but about Ron. Like I, I like you should do an episode with Dave Larson, Ryan Murphy, um, and Pettibone just about Ron. And like, you will have the most hilarious conversation. That dude was, uh, was a one of a kind, one of a kind character. I'm putting, I'm putting that in my account. Cal- I'm going to put that in my calendar. I'm um, to remind me I'm doing, I'm, I need more themed episodes and, Man, there's there is so so many hardcore bands and just so, so much new stuff that's come out just all over the world. I it it's really nice to to actually go back and actually like just talk about Northwest hardcore and just how how sick Northwest hardcore is. People, there's a lot of my listeners from you know that I've that I have from all over the world that like we talk about bands from all over the world, but like. I'm a hundred percent like when it comes to what I what I love, it's always been Northwest hardcore first because that's what I uh experienced. Like people like letting this shy dude that stu- stood in the back um watching like uh an undertow reunion being like, Hey, do you wanna you wanna like you know, participate? You wanna be in a you wanna, you know, play in this band, you wanna, you know, um you want you want to help do this radio show um so like i get i get uh i get reminiscent but i also get just happy cuz i'm like i i love it it makes me feel like happy to still still have this show and still still do uh dead air so thank you for uh, i i've said thank you a bunch of times but i'm just like i'm just so like it's 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 very nice to talk about Northwest hardcore, especially in this just 
in this time. Um, I don't like to get too nostalgic. So that gets me into one of my, um, the last questions, uh, of, of this. Let me get this back up. Um, so with, uh, for hardcore and punk being like a place of like forward thinking and progressive ideas, I feel like we still see a lot of people, um, subscribe to a lot of the same nostalgia that, you know, music that, that sometimes we get trapped in, um, like for just music listeners that are, you know, just growing up, getting older. And we, I, we all kind of do it. Like, um, so my question, um, is with all your musical endeavors, um, and your, and intertwined with your professional life, have you ever got, you know, like, especially like with, uh, times like this where there's like where you sometimes can catch a break especially with this like uh this is a time for everyone kind of to reflect when there was like earlier this year with the lockdown um have you seen have you felt yourself get caught in um nostalgia and and how have you dealt with that um, so i'm like a so yes and no I'm like a real nostalgic guy for sure. Like I, I love, yeah, I love, I love like the memories of the times and all that. Like I'm not nostalgic for parts of hardcore or whatever that I wasn't a part of. Like I can look at, I can listen to like straight ahead and be like, yo, that's sick. I wish I could have seen straight ahead. And I, I can love that for what it is, but I'm not going to be nostalgic for that. Um, I can be nostalgic. I, I am very nostalgic about certain times of my life. But man, that's not my operating system predominantly. My predominant operating system is like what's happening now and what's going to happen. So I am 100%. Um, I'm just I, like, I love life. Like I love living. I'm like really, really, really an active person. And uh, I like to do a ton of stuff. You know, I'm, I'm always involved in a bunch of different projects, a bunch of different things. So like, you know, I run a business. I sit on a board of a charity. Um, I have a family. I like really uh, involved athletically. Like I do a lot of running and cycling. I like to boat. You know, I um, I have a bunch of hobbies that I inv- I'm involved in. So like, I don't have a ton of time for nostalgia. I'd say it's almost for me like eating a donut. Like, man, I love a donut, but I don't eat like 20 donuts a day. I'll <laughs> eat. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll have a couple donuts in a week or something, or maybe like once every two weeks. I love donuts but I'm not going to eat them all the time. That's how I am with nostalgia. Like, hell yeah, I'll totally enjoy it. But I'd way rather do something new, like way rather do something new. Like actually to speak of like bands, like um, when Betrayed got back together, like, I mean, although I like the Suffering EP and I think the best Betrayed song is on the Suffering EP, I totally regret getting back together with Betrayed. Uh, I, I, at the time it seemed to make sense because of the way the band ended so suddenly, but like, you know what, man, it wasn't cool. It wasn't that cool getting back together. It kind of sucked actually. And like, it was cool to be able to like, we did some like wild stuff after that. We did some like really, really cool shows, but like in reality, like for me, at least like when it's done, it's done. Let it be done. Go on and do something new. Whatever you do next may not be as big, may not be as hyped, may not be the thing at the moment, but it's like, yeah, like stop stop like at least for me uh, i'll just I'm gonna say i don't want to tell other people what to do but i'll say this have your moment 
and then give space for other people to have their moment. If it comes back around to you again, because of what you're doing right at that moment is cool. And it's the right, it's the right thing at the right time. Awesome. If you don't get that moment again, just be psyched that you had it. Be psyched that you had that moment. And then like, just do something that's awesome. Like stop trying to chase that like high of that moment. So like, yeah, I'll have the donut like once a week or twice a week, but I'd way rather do something new. And I, I think, I think I feel that like, cause I've, you know, seen that people get hyped on like reunions and sometimes the reunions don't pan out as, as cool or as fun. Like I've seen reunions of bands and, and been like, that was all right. <laughs> like, cause sometimes, sometimes it's a, sometimes it is what it is. And like, we, we look at like, oh man, that was such a fun time or this is a band, um, I loved and they're going to play it. They're going to play a show again. Um, I talked to Ryan who once was in uh, uh, seven angels, seven plagues and they got, and they talked about how like most of their hype happened at the end of their, their cycle. And then they did a, then they did a show and everybody was all seven angels, seven plagues. And he was just like, eh, this is, this was okay. (laughs) Like, like there's still people who like, look, who, who like love that band in like the metalcore world and like want, and there was a lot of people that were like, that like almost tried to spear, spur like a fake reunion. And they're like, yeah, after, after doing that reunion, I was like, I was like, I did other stuff and I moved on. <laughs> totally man. And like, there's so, there's so much cooler shit to do by doing something new. I think like the thing that, and first of all, like I want to be really clear people are going to do whatever they want to do. And like when I was younger, I don't know, like I keep saying younger, like I don't want to make it like this is a thing of the, of the youth. Cause it's more of a thing about me. Like, you know, like I can say when I was younger, but this was just part of my own personality, like super judgmental, like really, really judgmental. And I, I've really tried to let go of that and like judgmental in a way of like what people should and shouldn't do with their bands. Like, ah, I can't believe so-and-so is doing a reunion show. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Like, man, I don't know. People do a bunch of stuff for a bunch of reasons. Some of them good, some of them neutral, some of them bad, like, or bad by my judgment. But even by then, like, what the hell do I know? Who am I to say? Like, there are clear things that are wrong. Like, hurting people is wrong. Like, doing a whole bunch of stuff is wrong. Whether or not, like, some band that was celebrated comes back and does, like, a really good or a somewhat mediocre reunion, does that really matter? No. No. And waste energy on it? No, like, I don't care. And so I don't care what people do with their bands. You want to go to a reunion? Cool. You don't want to do a reunion? Cool. I'd say for me, the only time I'm ever going to be doing a reunion um, for anything is if it, if there's a reason for it, I'll just say like the betrayed reunion, like there was no reason for it. I don't think there was a good reason for it. And uh, I wasn't satisfied with what we did with it. I don't think it, I don't think it like did anything that mattered. Um, the suffering, that song suffering is cool for sure. But like beyond that, eh, you know, whatever. And uh, I just want to be in the now and I want to build cool things now and build to the future. That's, that's my vibe. That's what I'm into. Okay. So to end this, we kind of, so I had a feeling this happened. I have, I had, I had notes. Some of them I threw, I threw out the window. Some of them have been uh, jumbled. So we're going to, because we just, I, and I told myself, I was like, oh, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to just have, I want to have kind of a structured interview and, 
Um, but then we just had a conversation and I just, I, I love having conversation. I think this is, this is as much as I, I want to, you know, try to be a more professional and have a structured interview. I, I, I fall into it. I love the, uh, the organic, um, style conversation is way better. Um, so to, my my first like i should have started with this but uh let's uh let's change a little bit and talk about and talk about your band cuz that's what we're here about, here to talk about um your newest band change um has a record come um on react records which is the record label you started and um and now it's coming full circle and you're putting out i mean you've put out um you know your your own records through through that label and then now you're uh you know you're getting to do it again it's getting released on react uh tell us a little bit um about change for those who have never listened and don't really know much about you uh change is a straight edge band with a vegetarian and vegan message and the reason I stipulate that is everyone in the band is straight edge, but not everyone is a vegetarian. One of our members uh, it eats meat, but we definitely have a vegetarian vegan message. So I'm not going to say we're a vegetarian band. And I, I want to make that distinction because like, man, you know what? Like, again, after playing in bands for a lot of years, for me, it's more important to play in a band that like I trust everyone in the band. I understand the people in the band. We get each other, you know, like we, we're not just a bunch of people who are like, oh, let's play some music. It's like, oh no, like we're going to do this thing and we're going to do it from the same like ethical and moral ground and kind of like take steps that are appropriate together. So uh, I, like, I, I feel real comfortable with straight edge band uh, with a vegetarian vegan message. Um, but we also like kind of, I, I don't want to be like, I really don't like that idea. Like, you know, being like, like uh, I don't want my ideas to be a barrier between between us and people who have different ideas. So like if someone's not a vegetarian, this band is still for you. If you're into that, uh, the thing I'd ask is just like, you know, when you listen to that song, you get the lyrics, like just think about it. That's all I'm asking. Um, so we play a style of hardcore that is, I don't know, not a ton of bands doing it right now, but it's definitely my favorite. So it's like, we take a huge amount of influence from Youth of Today, Instead, um, Wide Awake, Unit Pride, uh, Bad Brains. And then, you know, also stuff like Embrace and Verbal Assault are in there. But a big focus for me on this is like, I don't want to be derivative. I've played in a ton of bands that are, that are down this path. I just don't want to sound like anything else I've done before. So I spent a ton of time on these songs. Like I really, I wrote them all. Uh, except for one, uh, Dave Mitchell, who, who was in Blue Monday, wrote one of the songs. Uh, but we took all the songs and then we broke them all down because every song when we wrote them was like, fine. It was fine. It was okay. It just sounded like whatever. But then we broke everyone down. We like turned it on its head. We tried different things. And every person who was in the band, so it's Alex, um, who plays some punitive damage now, uh, Carl, who was in damages and keep it clear, and then Dave Mitchell we wrote, all wrote the record together. And like, although I wrote the majority of the songs, I'd say we all kind of co-wrote them because like we, 
all everyone added something to some of the songs. And I, I'll tell you that like, hands down, this is like the most layered complex record I've ever put together. I really focused on how the bass and the drums work together. Cause like I, I wanted them to almost be like lead instruments on, on the record rather than just being the background, like some of the other bands have played in. And I, I couldn't be happy, more happy with the, the songs. Like I think the songs work really well together in an LP. They draw from a lot of beyond the bands I just mentioned. They also draw from like a lot of other genres. Like there's definitely um, some like Bay area thrash influence in there. There's some uh, influence from like popular music, like eighties kind of pop music. I definitely pulled like a lot of hooks. And if you listen, and if you're a fan of eighties pop music, you'd be like, damn, that's from like this song. Like that's where he got that idea. And there's also like some stuff, like there's like a reggae breakdown and and stuff like that. I want to stop right there because I'm pretty sure you've thought you've, you've seen it too, probably from internet interactions. Uh, Anyone who's listened to change, they, they have, they have mentioned the reggae breakdown and mess in uh, uh, Facebook, Instagram, all, all like all places that talk about hardcore. Have you had people come to, come to you overwhelmingly about uh, about that reggae part? Like, have oh, you had a lot of fun? Like, <laughs> the whole record's not out yet, so people haven't heard everything. Like, I gotta tell you, there's like there are definitely parts where people are going to be like, Oh, you got that from that, like this 80s song, like for sure you got it. And like, you're right. Like guilty is charged for sure. But the reggae part for people who've heard the whole record, it's the one that people come back to. And uh, I remember bringing it into practice. And like, we've been working on beyond for a while. And uh, I was like, guys, I have an idea. I was like, listening to verbal assault today. I think we should like put in a reggae part and everyone in the room, instantly was like yes like there wasn't wasn't any debate about it and we wrote that part in like i don't know like five minutes like i had like a general idea of how we would do it i already had the riff and then like um those guys are way better musicians than me so like they were able to do it uh when we recorded it the engineer like jesse was like what that's amazing and it is definitely the thing that people comment on the most um dude i just don't want to do like I don't know. I just don't want to do like a bland record that's safe. It like, sounds so good. Like I, 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 I remember people were, people were taken back um, by it live. And we're, I, when you played in Tacoma and it was really, it was, it was really cool. Cause like live, it, it really had um, like, it was like a reggae part with a semi like Ian Mackay type um, type like inflection. And I was just like, I'm so down with this. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Ben. Well, like, so if you look at like early hardcore, like early hardcore. So where hardcore, I think a lot of hardcore is now. And I don't want to speak about everything. I just say like, I'll, I'll talk about the stuff that I've done it's very derivative of hardcore, right? So if I'm like writing something, I'm like, oh, I want to write a song that sounds like, you know, this battery song, or I want a song that sounds, so write a song that sounds like this song, or like it's Shane Strike song. And like, I think that's just like bad news. It's bad music. It's bad to go down. Uh, sorry. It's not, it's not creative art to do that. And one of the things that I tried to do is when I, although I said like, hey, we sound like you today instead, da, 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 da. like, yeah, yeah, for sure. Like that's totally a part of it. 
but every single song, like I was structuring off of stuff that I was hearing from all sorts of different kind of music. Like really, like I'd say one of the biggest, like the biggest challenges for punk as it goes on is that like losing touch of some of the roots of what made punk cool, which is like, you know, punk is so deeply rooted to like, you know, reggae and like so influenced by like soul music. Like a lot of people who played in, in the early punk bands were really influenced by soul music, really influenced by reggae music. Also like rock, like, you know, if you look at those Boston bands, they were really influenced by rock music. And so like, if you get to a place where you're like just basing your influences off of other hardcore bands, it's not cool. Like I look at like some of the earlier stuff I did, like I'd say, especially like, um, earlier champion stuff. Uh, and even like, even the LP, like I played it way too safe. Like I just wanted, I literally said in the studio while we were doing promises kept, if chain of strength didn't do it, we're not doing it. And like, <laughs> no, no joke. And I had our bass player like underplay, uh, this guy band who recorded on the record. I had him underplay on the record and he wanted to do all these fills, but I felt the fills were too like, not like not right and it's funny because like i listened back on that record i'm like yeah there's like yeah it's it's good you know it's fine but like i just hear what it could have been if i'd been more confident and if i'd been i don't know like less afraid like you know i'd say like one of the biggest challenges for me um not just as like an artist but or as a, a guy sorry artist is a little presumptive but I'd say as a guy who writes music one of the biggest challenges for me uh is wanting to fit in and like, that's probably been one of the biggest uh, weights around my neck as a human being is like wanting to fit in really desperately, like so bad. And that's how I found punk is like, I was rejected from my social scene as a kid. I was bullied. I had a really, um, uh, really chaotic family life. Uh, it was, um, you know, a lot of like mental health stuff going on in the house, like a lot of just like really intense stuff happening at home. So I was like adrift as a kid. I didn't have a friend group at all. I was like a total loner. I had no friends. Um, and um, I got bullied like crazy. I had to fight a ton as a kid. I like fought, 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 like fist fights when I was a kid, like every week, all the time. And I didn't have a good family life. So when I became a teenager, and especially when I found skateboarding, like skateboarding became my thing. That was my focus and that was what i was about with skateboarding which of course then led me to punk and that's where i started meeting people but i was so afraid of failing and losing uh this little foothold social foothold that i developed that like i was so single-minded of like trying to fit in with whatever the thing was to fit in with and it really impacted the way that i wrote music and also i'd say the way that i kind of like interacted uh, socially um, within like uh, as like bands as my band got bigger or got more popular and really stepping away from that and getting like kind of seeing that in myself holding up a mirror and being like dude don't be so desperate man like it's okay like the people that love you love you and like not everyone needs to love you and that was like a big problem for me it's like never enough this big black hole in me where I'm always trying to fill it up with like love admiration oh you like my band out of this and that and i'll tell you man like sometimes it caused there were a lot of good things that came from that like because it always kept me like trying to like push push myself and get better and better at whatever i was doing but a lot of shitty stuff like sometimes i acted like a total dick sometimes i acted like a totally egotistical asshole um sometimes i acted um super like 
small minded because I just wanted to fit in, you know, and like, I'll just say that it impacted my creative process in that, like, my bands were never as cool as they could have been because there was this huge block of like, I want this to be the most easy to digest thing. And I'm not saying those bands weren't cool or they didn't have cool releases, but what they could have been if I was just a little bit um, more confident in myself at the time, uh, it could have been a lot different. And so the interesting or not interesting, something that people say about me a lot when I talk about this is like, whoa, like you're so confident. Um, I'm surprised to hear this. It's like, oh no, <laughs> like, like I'm, I'm capable. Like I'm really good at, at connecting with people and I'm and like a true, like a therapist, like whereas I'm trained to be, I'm good about being with people, but socially I've always felt like really less than other people. Like really like I'm not on the same level. I don't belong. I'm about to be like, I'm about to lose all my friends and like nobody loves me. And it's only in the past four or five years that I've really started to get better at that. And I could see how that's changed my creative process. I'm way more fearless. It's not even fearless. I'm just like, yeah, yeah it's whatever. This is what I want to do. Whether or not people like it's fine. Um, and also like positive feedback. I'm not as addicted to it as I was before, where it's like, I have to get positive feedback and then neutral feedback or used to like, if, if someone's not into my band or they don't like that record or they think that reggae part sucks or whatever, I'm not a ship by it. And uh, it's a way cooler place to be in terms of like writing stuff and being in a band and, and being more in a little bit more of a public eye. Cause I feel like I, I'm, I don't know, I'm just way more willing to be who I am and to like let people in, in a different way. And, and that's been cool for me. And I hope it's been, I hope it, I hope it does something good for other people. Well, uh, listening to like all your earlier bands, it's, it's hard for me to like, it, I guess as a listener, hard for me to see obviously where your, where your head was at because like, because for me, those were like, I was in high school. These were like punk rock building blocks for me. So like, it's hard for me to, it, it, it helped me at the time before I listened to some of these bands, all I, I knew, you know, uh, Gorilla Biscuits, Black Flag, uh, Minor Threat, Refused, didn't know anything really else. And then this really, like, the dead, the, like, what I would call, like, the dead air main um, rotation uh, of music was, like, there's so much more um, cool stuff and there's so much current cool stuff. So I count those as, as build, is like, almost, those are my, my, like, some of my like foundation and, and building blocks that amongst uh, heavier stuff like trial. Um, and I, I guess when I hear change, I just hear there are different stuff, but I just hear like you adding more to um, that foundation, seeing uh, I can still really hear hear you there there's progression and there's different elements but there there still lies your identity um with within um this this new music and change and i think that's i think that's important i think there is um you can you can still i think i i said that with like you know you with uh with northwest hardcore you can still have some of the same some of the same elements while you're moving forward 
Yeah, for sure. And like, that's like one of the things. So I do. Thank you. Thank you very much. Like, that's one of the things like, dude, when people are like, Oh, melodic hardcore, it's like, Hey, you know, like when, when people say that, I mean, it was a real clash of cultures kind of at one point, right? Because like Northwest hardcore was starting to become a thing. And as it becomes a thing, people like love it and are drawn to it. And then people, other places who are doing like other scenes or other kind of styles of music that you're going to start, like there's going to be kind of like a, a negotiation of what's going on there, but also people locally are like, Oh, like, like melodic hardcore. Like I'm from the Northwest and I, we don't sound like melodic hardcore. We hate melodic hardcore. And it was like, it's neat to kind of look back at it now where you're like, like all of that was happening and all of it was true and all of it was real. Um, and so when people talk to me about it now, like about like melodic hardcore and they're like, people are like, oh, change, new melodic hardcore band. I'm like, eh, no, like, no, we're definitely not a melodic hardcore band. I'll, I'll just say that. But I'm also not shy of it. Like, I'm not trying to like rewrite history and be like, oh, melodic hardcore. It's like Champion was straight up like a hardcore band that was like, definitely would fall into the category of melodic hardcore. The trade I think would like fall into that too, kind of, kind of ish. TFS, definitely not. Keep it clear. Definitely not. Uh, Union of faith. Definitely not. And change. Definitely not. Um, that, but what I'd say is we're a hardcore, hardcore band that like is heavily focused on melody. And like, I don't care if you're like, I don't care what kind of band you are. Like melody is the key to making your song like super cool, in my opinion. And melody doesn't have to be like some like poppy, like hook. Melody is just like a well-structured song that people like connect to. And uh, that's something I'm like super obsessed with. Like, how do you write a good song? And the art of writing a good song has become so important to me that I don't know if there'll ever be another change record. There might be, but like, I was like so hyper-focused on making these songs good well-written songs that the process was like, like mind numbing, man. Like it was like broke my brain to do it, but it felt, it feels good to be on the other end of it. Absolutely. Um, so Can I talk the lyrics for one sec? Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was that was actually my question. Um, okay. so go for it. <laughs> Lyrically, like closer still, the album title is specifically about, um, so this whole record is about processing like the stuff that we talked about earlier and what happened um, with all the stuff with champion. And, and when I talk about it, like the reason I'm saying the stuff with champion instead of like, you know, like naming, like putting a name on it is like, I want to be thoughtful of whoever, whoever's listening to this. And it's like, I don't want to say things that are going to cause people to like have like things come back up for them. You know, like, I, I try and talk about stuff in a way that's like, I hope hopefully thoughtful of recognizing that all sorts of people are going to listen to this and that like they can listen to it. They know what I'm talking about and it's clear what I'm talking about it. I'm not avoiding it, but I'm also like, I want to be thoughtful because I, I, I don't have anyone in front of, like I don't have people in front of me as we're talking about it. So I don't know how people are going to be impacted by what I say. So I'm, I'm trying to talk to it more about in ways that people are going to understand. Oh, that's clearly what he's discussing. So when I talk about the thing champion, like the whole record, a lot, yeah, I'd say the whole record is, is definitely influenced by that whole thing and kind of processing it. So it's called closer still because, you know, you know, like, let's say when you hurt yourself, right? Like, let's say you fall off your bike or your skateboard or whatever, and you hurt yourself. You don't want to touch that thing. You know, you don't want to like stick a finger in that, like whatever that wound that you just had, because it hurts. Right. And you like kind of, you want to stay away from it and you, 
you know, you're, you're just like kind of staring at it and like, holy crap, I just hurt myself. So for me, that whole situation is just like, I was in a state of shock, like real state of shock. And I, I didn't want to run away from it. You know what I mean? Like I, I but I also didn't know what to do, you know? And like, I, I just tried to do what I felt was the right thing at the time and, and handle, handle it as I, and I handled it. But as time went on, I didn't want to be like, Oh, I'm just going to put that in my past and forget about it. Oh, that was a thing that happened. And I'm just going to move on with my life. Like, no, I didn't want to do that. And again, like, I want to be really clear. I'm not trying to say like, I'm a good guy because of that. I, I'm just saying for my own process, I wanted to like really understand. I wanted to do my best to understand what happened and understand the suffering involved to the best that I could. Cause like, I mean, I wasn't in anyone's, anyone's position. So I, I don't, I can't fully understand it. I just wanted to do my best to understand. And that means that I had to like, I couldn't get away from this thing. I couldn't like just close the chapter and be like, Oh, I'm going to go on with my life. I had to get closer to it. And so the idea is like, don't just get closer to it get like closer still to it, like get as close as you can to it, as close as you can possibly bear so that you can understand it. You can learn from it. You can change, like you can change, like you can change, you can help create some kind of other change. And I like, when I say like, I, I, I don't want to go on about, about my process here. Cause again, I don't want to like make, I, I, I don't want to make this about me. I'm just talking about my experience of it and how it influenced the record. And so I called it closer still because so much of writing this record and doing this record was about me processing this, this whole thing. And so it's called closer still because of that. And it's not just about that situation. It's the way I'd want to have it is like anything that hurts you in your life, like loss of a loved one, like family dysfunction, like mental health concerns, like losing your job, you know, like terrible breakup, whatever it is, nothing served by running away from it. You got to understand it. You got to get closer. You got to process it. And processing is like, I think the most important part for me. It's like really process something. You got to get as close as you can to it. That doesn't mean putting yourself in harm's way with people, but like really understanding what happened, how it happened, how you're reacting to it to get to that kind of space of like wholeness and healing. And that's when I talked about therapeutic process. Like when I say I've been working on this for years, like years and years, like I, I every week I, I go and talk to someone about it, uh, not just about this, I mean, but also about my life and, and who I am and, and how I want to grow and a lot of like my family of origin stuff that I'm, I'm still kind of processing. So that's why it's called Closer Still. Don't look at the pain and turn your back on it. Don't look at the pain and just observe it, like get closer to it and you get closer still get as possibly as close as you can, just as close as you can bear so that you can work through it. Um, so lyrically, every track on the record, like you're not going to look at every track and be like, Oh, like that's about, you know, this deeply personal thing from Ram's life, <laughs> but actually they all are right. Like even the song about being straight edge or the song about being you know, vegetarian, like all these things are actually about, about my life. And it's very like, very much focused on, on, on the way that I see the world. But the reason the band is called change, like when I started writing all these lyrics, the band didn't have a name. And really what it was, was like, how do about the things that I view as good about myself? How do I make those more accessible to myself and other people? Like, how do I keep, keep that up front? The things that are neutral about myself, you know, like that's fine. Just kind of understand myself. But the things that suck, like, 
you know, if I'm like, one of the things I really try and work on is like, I'm super passive aggressive. Like, and I fucking hate that about myself. So like something about being passive aggressive or like whatever stupid bullshit about myself, like really try and work on that. And I realized as I was working on these lyrics, it was like about processing shit. It was about becoming a better person, but it was also about change, like change, like, yo, like growing up so much about hardcore is, for me was like about like, I want to stay young. I want us to all believe the same things that we believed in. I don't want to change, but it's like, yo, I do want to change. I want to get better. I want to evolve. I want to grow. So all the lyrics on one very basic level are totally about my life. And then they were written in a way where if you know me well, you'll be able to be like, Oh, this is about that. That's about this. This is about that. Like you can see there's like keywords that I used, but I wrote the songs in a, in a format that was intended to be super simple so they could be applied to like whatever people want to apply them to. So when I was in champion, um, like I wrote, I wrote the bulk of the lyrics for champion and I used to use what I referred to. I called it chain of strength vagueness. I would try to write things in a really vague way so that you could take it and apply it to whoever else. And there'd be a lot of the use of the word you, like you, like, you know, you hurt me or you, 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 this, or you, that, so that people could always take that song and then apply it to their life. Right. So chain of strength vagueness in this, I tried to move away from that. And I tried to, I tried to move away from saying you, and I know that sounds like an odd thing, but like really at the end of the day, it's like, these songs are all about me and how I view the world and my problems and my issues but I also tried to write it in a way that wasn't self-indulgent. And if you saw the original version of these lyrics, they're like the most self-indulgent bullshit you're ever going to read. It's like, Oh my God, I can't believe that. And I rewrote all of them three times. So all of the songs have had three different sets of lyrics, every single one of them to break it down to the most crystallized version of it. And I tried to avoid chain of strength vagueness while also not being like finger pointing towards other people. So the lyrics, although they seem like really kind of like simple youth crewy kind of songs, they're actually at least for me quite complex, but this is the guy who wrote them. So I might be like totally wrong and maybe they are just totally generic lyrics and, I, and I'm just not seeing it, but that gotta, was gotta put them on t-shirts, man. <laughs> yeah. well, hey, that was the process. <laughs> You know, a, a ram tell death. Um, <laughs> anyways, sorry to. Um, I think that's. I think, like, what going back to just like, um, you know, talking uh, talking about just the the lyrics and everything. I think I think that's just Im- important for whether we're talking about um, you know the whole champion thing in North, in Northwest hardcore to um, to other things to just like. I think there's people processing not only like the Northwest hardcore stuff, but like just the other things you were mentioning. And I think that's, that's also um, like just important to be like, cause I suffer from extreme anxiety. So I like, I like, I need, like I had a hard time just sometimes when I have anxiety, like, writing up just writing up questions sometimes it comes naturally sometimes i just have just the simplest things like figuring out all all i wanted to say just in this interview um you know my mind starts getting cloudy and i start getting frustrated and it's nice to have something that is simple and direct that i'm not because when i have when you have too much 
I start, I start literally overthinking and then I'm like, I don't, then I get be, be like, I don't even know what this guy is saying anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so I think there is, I, and that's not me saying that I don't like things that are, um, deep and and wordy i just like i do like when it comes to things that are deeply personal i like things that are very direct totally man and like so there's a lot to be said so like you mentioned earlier trial are these are lives like a real interesting record because it's a very well written record like the the songs are very very well put together and like just like from a song structure point of view they're neat songs like yeah like they they work well there's always kind of an interesting thing and then, like, you got to admire Greg's lyrics because, like, dude, like, is very direct with what he's saying. And and I have never seen one person be able to take, like, War and Peace or, like, some huge book and, like, smash it into, like, two-minute hardcore song. Like, you can almost feel like that dude's lungs exploding as he's hitting some of those lyrics, right? And it's, like, there's a lot to be said for an approach like that where, like, there's really clear there's no deciphering like this person saying exactly what they're saying. And I think that's super cool. Like I think are these, our lives is like a very, like um, I think it's one of like the best written hardcore records and whether or not someone likes trials, like you, you can say whatever you want about trial, but like, or any band, but like very specific for this, that's an inarguably very well-written record musically and lyrically. Like it's just a very, very well done record. And so that's an approach where someone's putting like a lot of ideas out super directly. Right. And, and it's super like, I mean, very potent, uh, probably one of the create, maybe the craziest crowd reaction I ever saw was um, at burning fight to the trial set. It was like, un, like unreal. Um, but then there's something to be said about being uh, a, a little bit more subtle as well. And like, you know, I, I'm interested to see where people go with these lyrics. Like, um, you know, I've never spent time writing music about myself. Uh, or lyrics about myself very much. Um, I usually write lyrics about like other people or other situations or whatever. And like, this is the time, like even the song voice of reason, the whole intent of the song of voice of reason isn't to write a vegetarian song with a pointed finger. Uh, the whole idea of voice of reason is about like, or like the, the song reason is about what is the kind of conversation that someone has with their own conscious uh, about eating meat. Right. So it's like we all have a conscience about what we do is right or wrong. But the whole idea about eating animals is because it's been given, we've been given this idea and programmed to think that, like, oh, they're just disposable creatures who put there for our convenience. And for me, it was more about like, I don't want to write a song that's like coming across pointing fingers. And I thought about what was my process about, about being vegetarian. And like, I went vegetarian in. I don't know, like something like 1995 and I was vegetarian for about 10 years, but then I stopped and there was about three year period where I wasn't vegetarian. I wasn't like, I'd like to think I wasn't obnoxious about it. Maybe I was, I don't know, but like it wasn't until I joined TFS and really like spending time with those guys got me back into being vegetarian. I, I, and when I got back into it, I quickly went vegan. I've been vegan ever since. And I went back then when I was writing the lyrics, I was like, what was my process there? Like, what was I thinking about? And what I was thinking about was like this battle with my conscious. And that's what I'm trying to get across with that song. So there's like the upper like kind of version of it, which is like talking about that. But then the deeper version was like talking about like, Hey, that, that discussion with your, with your conscience about something. But even deeper than that, I was like, 
what's the conversation I have with my conscience and with my conscience about all sorts of things. And that's, again, was that like processing about it. So lyrically, I don't know. I mean, like hopefully people dig it. Uh, I, I, you know, like the person who creates something is always going to think it's like so deep and so like, whatever, like, I don't expect anyone. I think if people are like, Oh yeah, that's a cool song. It made me think about going vegetarian. Like, Hey, that's cool. Like that's good enough. I, I don't, I don't expect people to be like, Oh, what, what a deep character. Oh, I can't <laughs> believe how that is. My so my story of because I'm been vegan for almost five years, vegetarian for longer. My my uh story was very simple. Um, uh, Greg came up to the Greg Bennett came up to the show and talked about it and talked about vegetarianism and like and we veganism and the i thought i was like i was thinking about i was like i just said i was thinking about it i told greg and then uh Kayton just said why don't you just fucking do it already and that's that's it that the next day i went vegetarian and that's that's literally sometimes for for me that's all i need <laughs> Totally. Well, K10, man, you know, also good. He's a good uh, LinkedIn guy. He writes good stuff on LinkedIn. He's a thoughtful dude. Um, hey, man, I got to, I got to, I got to hop. Is there anything else you want to wrap, wrap That's up? That's actually here? it. That's actually it. The, I just want you to wrap to just uh, tightly wrap and just the uh, closing words uh, about, um, about change and, uh, and okay. about your, your podcasts and stuff and just let, let people know uh, about them and where they can find them. And what okay. and when your and when your record is officially out? So, um, change record is out September 11th, uh, and uh, out through React in the states, Refuse in Europe, and Life uh, Life Liar Regret in Australia. Um, yeah, check it out; it's awesome. I'm real happy with it. So, I'll be psyched if you listen to it. Um, one of the things I just want to put out there is like. You know, I really, again, like spend a lot of time thinking about it. And like one of the things that I try to do and I've really, I thought I did this in my life and I'm trying to get good at it now is um, really listening and speaking and acting with compassion. And, you know, if I'm in a therapeutic setting and I'm listening to a client I listen with a lot of compassion and I act with a lot or I talk with a lot of compassion and I act with a lot of compassion. But outside of that, man, I could be a total jerk. (laughs) (laughs) So like I'm really, and even in just in my head, like being judgmental or this or that, and I'm really working on it. And something I think at this time, like so much important change, like so much is really easy to get stuck and to get stuck in, in a way of being And the thing that I can encourage anyone is like really hold up a mirror and being like, am I really, am I really showing up the way I want to show up? And whatever is that for you, for me, it's about being like consistently compassionate. That doesn't mean I won't have hard conversations with people or challenge people on ideas, but I do it in a way that is true to how I want to approach things, which is listening, speaking and acting with compassion. And, uh, you know, that if I can achieve that and if I can achieve that day by day for the rest of my life, then I've lived a good life. Uh, beyond that, I'd uh, love it if people could check out the One Step Beyond podcast. It is a business podcast done through the lens of a punk uh, where we talk to some just normal business people and then we talk to some punk people about like things that have to do with like p- 
punk ethics within business. It's fun. Like I, I like it. Uh, you know, like it's, it's a building podcast. We've been like kind of slowly building a followership and it's, it's fun. So I look, listen back to my early episodes. I'm like, uh, but then as I get better, I'm like, yeah, this is good. Uh, we just did one with Alice Bag that I love. That's uh, my favorite one so far. So please check that out. And then beyond that, uh, Hardcore Lives, man. Uh, I love, love Hardcore. I love Northwest Hardcore. And thank you so much for the interview. Thank you so much. And thanks for, ta- uh, thanks for taking the time. Um, I know you're busy. And this took over six months to finally happen. I think I, we talked about it roughly like this before you even uh, took stage in Tacoma back in January. So uh, I, pre- I appreciate your patience and I'm, I'm glad that uh, things finally aligned to where we could uh, connect. Thanks dude. I really appreciate it. All right, everyone. I'll catch you later. All right. We're back to close out the show. Big, big, big shout out to Aram. Uh, amazing conversation. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Um, it's been really cool um, to just talk to Northwest hardcore people because this is a Northwest hardcore show and people who have really um, helped shape Northwest hardcore into what it is. And if you haven't checked out his bands, if you haven't checked out Betrayed, The First Step, or keep it clear. I highly suggest that you do um, do it when you're done. Um, just high energy punk hardcore, a lot influenced by um, late uh, late '90s, early 2000s um, punk hardcore. Some with a melodic influence. Um, 
highly, highly suggest. Can't I can't suggest enough. Um, I'm excited for everyone to hear the rest of the Change LP. Um, listening to the rest of these songs, those to these just these two songs with good headphones, it's just it's fucking great. And like with the with uh, my nice headphones, listening to uh, Beyond in the reggae part, it's just even better. Like um, listening to the whole. I'm, I'm I want to listen to the whole thing with these headphones because. Um, I'm just I'm very jazzed off of um, off of this interview. Um, thank you for listening. Also, make sure to check out Aram's podcast, One Step Beyond. Um, very cool, especially for just uh, people um, just want to be inspired and in furthering your life as also a business professional and a and a punk rocker. I think it's um, very, very good and relatable stuff. I've been listening to a lot of his stuff, a lot of um, watching um, some of Ram's videos. Definitely check it out. Um, another thing that I can't, uh, I can't say enough good things about. So we're going to end this with some music from Punitive Damage. If you uh, haven't checked them out before, um, this is also the drummer um alex from change he's in this band uh super good they came out with a three song um ep titled we want we don't forget um came out in march just right after uh, right after the lockdown in the northwest um they're from vancouver just a uh really fucking aggressive um hardcore punk band um I really like, we're going to play Smug Rat. I really uh, like the lyrics. If you haven't um, checked it out, it's about just like, you know, kind of uh, fake, uh, fake woke people, fake um, cancel people, people who are really not about their shit and like actually furthering a movement. So I think, (laughs) and I think that's very important and was made kind of pre these situations in our political climate. So we're going to play that track in just a second. Um, thank you so much for listening. If you are interested in being involved in any way of the show, whether it's um, dropping a song, being a guest, uh, please email me at deadairnwcz at gmail.com, and I'll hit you back as soon as I can. So we'll be back next week. Thank you so much. Yeah!